Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tribe Call Quest. Fred Armisen. Prince Paul. Javier Munoz, Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hey, this is your host, Elia Einhorn. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Talk House Podcast. Today's show is a very special one for two reasons. One, this is our 250th episode. The Talk House Podcast has now been in the world for five years, and I speak for everyone who's part of Talk House when I say thank you, thank you, thank you to the millions of listeners that have tuned in and made this possible. Here's to many, many more years of fantastic artist-on-artist conversations. Now, the second reason that today's episode is so special is this is our first ever Mother's Day edition. And to help me introduce it, I want to welcome to the show... Nick Dawson, Editor-in-Chief of Talkcast Film. Yes, it is me. Welcome back to the show, Nick. Now, tell the listeners what we've done here. We've put together some of our favorite clips of artists talking about mothers and motherhood. And, you know, it's a very special day, Mother's Day, and this captures some of the wonderful ways in which, you know, art and motherhood intersect. I think of Mother's Day as very bittersweet myself. I lost my mom when I was a teenager, and of course, I'm reminded of that every year. On the other hand, now that I have a daughter with my wife, Amy, each Mother's Day is a celebration of everything she does for the baby every year and and for our family. Yeah, Mother's Day is very poignant for me too. It was actually two years today that my mother passed away. And Mm. um, yeah, I mean, I have a kid and an awesome wife. And and yeah, Mother's Day is is a very happy day, but there's also that sense of of loss as well, inevitably. Yeah. While, of course, a lot of listeners kind of will will share that same sort of bittersweet feeling about Mother's Day, we're not going to get you too down with this. This this is predominantly a fun and sort of heartwarming episode. We're bringing you some roses and a box of chocolates. For Valentine's Day and for Mother's Day. (laughs) Some of the fantastic artists featured on today's show, Tori Amos in conversation with Shirley Manson of Garbage. Fred Armisen talking to Alex Lambert. Ben Lee and John Cryer. The filmmakers Tracy Dros-Tregos and Martha Shane. And we have a special appearance from the awesome animator Julia Potts' mother. Nick, tell us about this very first clip that's coming up. Right, this was recorded at Sundance two years ago. We had a, a really awesome live event at the Kickstarter Lodge in partnership with Kickstarter. And these two really fantastic Korean-American filmmakers, Christina Cho and Andrew Ahn, who are great friends from LA, they sat down and had a chat. Christina had this amazing movie, Nancy, which came out last year. And Andrew Ahn is best known for his 2016 movie, Spa Night, uh, which is also a Sundance alum. And it was one of those funny things where, as with so many TalkHouse podcasts, we don't really know where it's going to start. But Andrew and Christina had a very clear sense of where they wanted to start. They <laughs> sure did. Should we roll it? Let's roll it. Should we start by talking about your mom? <laughs> oh, I knew it was going to go there. Sure. <laughs> so, we have a long history of my mom and Andrew on. We do. We do. Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> yeah. I was telling you about Spa Night and how I was having trouble finding... Um, a, a mother character, mm-hmm. and you're just like, my mom's great. Yeah. Was she in The Queen? Well, yeah. So my yeah. mom was in the short film that we first met, um, The Queen. And, you know, that was, I casted her out of necessity. I was like, where am I going to find a six year old 
Korean mom, you know, that can speak Korean and English, that can act. Nowhere. Like, I think I remember, like, trying on, like, uh, what's that breakdown services? Like, the like really low actors budge. Access yeah, like, or... just, like, actors access. is like, really just, you know, whoever's acting. And it was just, like, there was nobody. Um, so I just had this hunch, because um, my mom used to, like, act in school plays, and she's, like, really extroverted. And I, I just was like, I think she can do it. She just has to be a more annoying version of herself. <laughs> I mean, like, as an overbearing Korean mom. <laughs> just kidding, mom. And, you know, I just, like, <laughs> this is very unfiltered. And then I just had her audition in, like, my room or something. It was, like, very unprofessional. <laughs> I was for like, the queen. Yeah, for the yeah, queen. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think she could do it. And then like, you know, she ended up being like a one-hit wonder. She would just like kill every scene. And um Oh, she was great. Yeah, she was great. Um so then yeah, you were like, I need to cast this mom for my feature film. And I recommended my mom. And um And then you had her tape. <laughs> yeah. So then then I had her tape herself, um, self-tape, and I wasn't in it, you know, I, I wasn't in town. I couldn't do it. So, uh, you know. I think your dad taped <laughs> yeah, it, right? My, so my dad taped her on an iPad, you know, doing the lines. So you sent the sides to me. I sent it to her. I didn't yeah. give her any information. Just, like, do it. And the first take was really bad. She just, like, was reading the lines, like, to herself because, like, she didn't have a reader with her and she didn't know that she should do that. So she's just basically, like, talking to herself in the scene. <laughs> And then I was like, I was like, okay, I, I'm going to give her some notes. So I like gave her some notes. And, and Christina was like her manager. I was like her manager and her agent and her acting coach. I like really wanted her to get the part. So then like, she, you know, I told her like, you got to get dad to read the lines. Like somebody, because it's just weird if you're talking to yourself. So my dad, who's like so not extroverted, he's like really monotone and just like very, you know, like typical stoic Korean dad. He like reads the lines and it's like, so funny because he's like how are you doing and then my mom like does her lines and like she was you know I think she was like she did a good job mm -hmm. um, but maybe you can tell us why you didn't cast her <laughs> <laughs> and then I'd be texting I, I texted oh my god I would text, kept texting yeah I kept I was like crazy like you know agent I was like Andrew what's what's the update what's happening are you casting her or what <laughs> It was really. I was. I got nervous. I was like, uh, uh. Well, I mean, we 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 had reached out to people in Korea and and had found um, Hedy Kim, who was just like so awesome, and and we really yeah. loved I her. Was ended up when I saw the film. I was like, oh, she's way too old for this part. I mean, there's you know, it's like your your mother's like older than the character. Much older. I, yeah. Your mom is gonna be so angry at this podcast. Um, <laughs> Apologies to uh, Mama Cho there, but <laughs> that clip was so great. And actually, if you dive into that episode, there's even more Mama Cho stuff in there for you to enjoy. So, you know, get a knife and fork and tuck in. Continuing our Mother's Day extravaganza here, Nick, the next conversation is between two icons of 90s alternative music who continue to make vital music to this day. I'm talking about Tori Amos and Garbage's Shirley Manson. Now, this episode came out in November of 2016. The occasion was Tori's Boys for Pele deluxe reissue, and Garbage had just released their new LP, Strange Little Birds. 
This talk took in a lot, but in this particular clip, they talk about the sacrifices and uncertainties of motherhood, and Tori talks about what it's like to be a mother herself and about the continuing inspiration she receives from her own mother. Should we play the clip? Let's do it. You know, the other thing I was curious about is as, you know, your daughter has grown up, I guess it sticks in my mind because of, like I said, the last time we met, I can really remember it as if it was yesterday in Wagamama's in London. <laughs> we, <laughs> we knocked into each other in line. And um, I was curious how, because I'm not a mother, I didn't have children, I chose not to. But I'm curious how, you know, having a, a child, being her protector in the world, how that has changed your work. I mean, it must change your work, particularly as we we both, you know, grow up and get older. And um, I know that even as a, a, a woman who has chosen not to have children proceeds as an artist, things change. But that must really accelerate in some ways that that maybe that growth or that desire to to explore further when you have a child or children. Well, surely the thing is, to be really honest, I being a parent isn't for everybody and there have been people that, I, mean, I'm, I absolutely agree with you wholeheartedly there are people that come up to me that come to the shows and just say you know I know people who really aren't aren't happy um, being parents and that might surprise people listening but it, it isn't for everybody because it is a life changer it really really is and if you don't want your life to change and I mean upside down, then it might not be for you because you do need to put them first and not, and not everybody, not everybody wants to do that. So I feel like for me, being a mom, as we know, it doesn't come with a, um, instructions (laughs) and (laughs) I I get it wrong a lot of the time. I do. I get it wrong. So it's humbling. I mean, it's, it can be really humbling because you sort of say, gosh, I wish I hadn't said it that way. I wish I hadn't done that. And you do see yourself acting like your own parents. And sometimes like, I can't <laughs> believe I just did an Ed Amos on my kid. I can't believe that. Yeah. But there you go. <laughs> yeah, but, but your parents weren't artists, correct? You didn't grow up in a household of artists. No, no, did no. You? No, no, my dad. And your father was your father was a minister. Yes. And your mom? Did she, she work? She didn't. She was. She would say we were her work, and you know what we were. Yeah. I think being a homemaker is yeah. so challenging and difficult, because she had wanted to have a career, and I saw that through my life. She was. Um, she left college to to support my dad, and that I'm. That's a different time. Um, those amazing women in our lives, and I'm sure you've known many women like that who, who put their career aside to, to bring up the family. And without my mom, I wouldn't be talking to you right now because she was, she's the reason I didn't go absolutely insane. Yeah. Are your parents alive? Oh, yeah, they are. They, they are. They're yeah, kind, they're God, co- you're so lucky. I am, you know what? I am very fortunate, and they're sort of having a teenage period now where they're taking a road trip. Oh, God. <laughs> 87 and 88, rocking down the East Coast. No, come folks. on. I'm serious. Hey, they're probably wow. listening to garbage in the car, rocking <laughs> those two, having another, <laughs> I don't know, a, a, a second honeymoon type 
teenage. And it's really exciting to see. It really, really is. Yeah, that's rad. It's inspiring, <laughs> right? Yeah, totally inspiring. Yeah, there. It's pretty. Yeah, cool. you'll do the same now because you've been. Yeah, you've been shown the way forward by your parents. You'll be kicking up your heels at ninety if you're lucky, <laughs> God willing. Oh, and you. <laughs> I have been shown the way forward by Mister and Missus Amos. That is how I want to live. That is living. It really is. And from one kind of living to a sort of slightly more unsettling kind of living. This is yeah. a conversation between Fred Armisen and Alex Lambert. You know, Fred is one of our great comedians. Yeah, Fred's best known for his work on Saturday Night Live and, of course, Portlandia. Yeah, and Fred and Alex have been friends for like 30 years. Alex is this incredible polymath filmmaker, photographer, writer. She and Fred work on projects from time to time. And there's this one project that she wanted to work on, which was based on a true story from Fred's past about his stepmother, but the interesting thing was that framing this is really challenging because whenever you see Fred on screen, you're thinking, oh, well, this is going to be funny. Oh, sure. He's one of the few people who, even before they deliver the line, has me laughing. Yeah. For this, however, as you'll hear in a second, the story itself is far from funny. So the story is, I have a half-brother who lives in G Germany, and he's from East Germany what well, was East Germany. And my dad had a kid uh, in East Berlin before he had me. And the woman who he had a kid with stayed in East Berlin, an ex-girlfriend, if you will. I stayed in touch with my brother. The wall is up. And they lived through, you know, living in communist East Germany. And when the wall came down, this woman went to... What, as many people did, they went to the Stasi. Your brother's mother. Yes. And I think a lot of people did this. They were just like, what do you have on me? There's a lot of internal spying. I want to know what exists out there. And they handed over three photo album-sized books of all the information they had on her. And They're amazing. They're amazing. She showed it to me. And in it, there are letters she's written. The thing I remember Folks. is you said there's, in, there's pictures of the inside of her refrigerator. Yeah. A picture of the inside of her fridge. Someone went in when she wasn't home, opened the fridge, took a picture. She was showing this to me, kind of laughing and kind of going, I can't believe this happened to me. And then there was one page that was a map of her neighbors and the street that she lived on and who were informants and it was everybody around her. So that, to me, is the heartbreaking part. Yeah. It's completely heartbreaking. It's like all your she friends are most, informing on yeah. you, right? She seemed the most hurt by that. Yeah, of course. That's she was like, like everybody you trust. It's like if I found out tomorrow, you were just like, yeah. FBI, let me tell you what Alex is up to. Yeah, everybody. Some really, really sinister stuff there. I recorded this episode backstage at 30 Rock. Fred was on lunch break from his job as band leader for Seth Meyers. Mm -hmm. And uh, as he told Alex the story, my jaw just dropped further and further, Nick. Yeah, there's some incredible things that they talk about in that conversation. I remember I was trudging around Sundance <laughs> uh, listening to that and editing and it was like, this stuff is so good. So go back and check out that episode. It's well worth your time. Yeah. Talking of which, a recent episode that is well worth your time. Ben Lee and John Cryer. This is from February of this year? This is a, a, a newy but a goodie. This is a really nice little moment where Ben talks about his mother and the role that she played in instead of helping him become the artist he is today. When he was a teenager, he was this already this huge star 
back home in Australia. Yeah, not not like a pop idol, but he's kind of like the um, like the Connor Oberst of uh, of Australia. And he had this decision to make about the course that his career was going to take. And when he needed her, his mother was there. Let's check it out. I remember for me when I was um, 18 or 19, my friends were all going to university from high school. And I honestly, I'd already, I started at 14. I'd already made albums, toured. Like I had a thing going, you know. And I was still under the illusion that I was going to go to university with all my friends and do music the way I'd done it through school, like mm-hmm. in summer breaks. And in, and I remember the timing was not working out with making the record. I, I wanted to make this album that became this record, Breathing Tornadoes, right before I went started university in Australia. And it just didn't work, the timing. And I was having a huge amount of anxiety about it because it was interrupting. The idea that I'd have to make a choice totally interrupted in the illusion that I could do everything. And I remember I, I called my mom and I was like, because a lot of it's about family and yeah. the, what you, and I called my mom and I said, I, it's not working out. They want me to make the album when everyone's going to uni. And she said, you know what? You can go to university anytime, make the album. And we can all look back and say there's a lot of problems in our families. You know, there's a lot of like yes. we all, I think every single person was parented in a subpar way, yeah. <laughs> one way or another. But that moment, the permission my mum gave me to not have guilt about making a proper choice mm. at 18, I'm grateful for to this day. Another inspiring mother, Nick. Another inspiring mother. Some mothers are more inspiring than others. Is that a Smith song? Oh, maybe. <laughs> Some girls' mothers are more inspiring than other girls' mothers. <laughs> yes. Ben Lee and John Cryer there on the Talk House podcast. Make sure to check out that full episode to hear all about B is for beer. B is for beer, mate. <laughs> Nick, this next clip comes from what actually was the first live Talk House event. Yeah, our first ever live podcast event, which was recorded at DCTV. Back in 2014. Back in 2014, yeah. It's a great conversation between documentary filmmakers Martha Shane and Tracy Droz Tragos about Tracy's movie, Rich Hill, which is about these three boys coming of age in, in impoverished small town America. And Martha asks her about the role that motherhood played in how she approached making the film and also how the film affected her as a mother. So... Uh, you're a mom, as I know, but only because you've like written publicly about what it's like to be a mom and a filmmaker, um, written very eloquently about it. And so I guess I'm curious, like, um, what were your, your, your relationships with these young kids at this time? Um, how did that sort of ultimately affect your the way you see your own kids and the way you relate to your own kids? Did it did it have an impact in that way? I, you know, I, I yes, I think so. I mean, I um, I learned a lot from um, Andrew and Harley and Apache. I mean, I think Andrew is incredibly optimistic, and there's something there that um, is amazing, um, and. You know, Harley has this great sense of humor um, and could, you know, crack me up when I least expected it. And I think Apache, I was always, you know, struck by his sense of, you know, 
forgiveness and being willing to forgive some really hard stuff um, and still love <laughs> as deeply as he did. Um, you know, and, and with my own family, I, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that my kids, um, I, I sometimes miss them more when I'm with these guys and I see the connections with their own families and I think about, well, you know, think about the choices that I'm making and that I'm not there and the, that I'm with somebody else's kids and not my own kids and what kind of person am I? I mean, I do go back to my kids and <laughs> reconnect with them, so there's that. Um, but, you know, there's always a little bit of, of guilt and sadness to not be with them when I'm on the road. So, yeah. Do you think it helped as far as relating to young people that you did have kids or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it helped relating to the moms, certainly. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, there's an experience there of having children and also having the stresses of having children, particularly young children. And um, so there was a bond that uh, I feel like, you know, I had with Andrew's mom and with, um, with all the moms. Um, so, and, you know, I think I, I feel a little bit motherly towards the boys in the film as well. I probably give too much advice. And, I, you know, we were much more involved than one might think in seeing the film. I mean, we really wanted them to be the authors of their story and to not have it be about us going to make a film. And it was going to be their story. Um, but, you know, that didn't mean that we didn't talk to them a lot. Um, when the camera wasn't rolling or, you know, offer advice. And that doesn't mean that our relationship also stops now that the film is over. I really like that conversation. And I think it's interesting to, to hear Tracy talk about a filmmaker being in the role of a mother. And in our last clip, we have somebody who is not a filmmaker, but is very, very much a real mother. Some audio that never actually appeared on the show before. It's appeared on the website but not on the show. And this is a personal treat for this me. This is some funny stuff. <laughs> it is incredibly funny. It is Julia Potts' mother delivering a review of the movie Get Out for Julia. Julia was not there. And this is not set up at all. Like, nobody asked for this review. No. Th this was not a commissioned piece. This is not a commissioned piece. This is just, you know, Julia's mother leaves hilarious voicemails and Julia just emailed me one day and she was like, you should really hear what my mom said about Get Out. And I was like, can we please, can I please have this? And she said yes. And so I feel like this is a perfect culmination of our celebration of mothers and motherhood. Let's do it. At the end of your message, press one. Hello, my darling girl. Yes, 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 you were right. I wasn't available to talk. Normally I am, because Graham Norton is back with his new shows, and he's even got Warren Beatty on us. That was last night, talking about the Oscars. But I, I had to just record it, because I was blitzed. You know, I had to self-medicate with two glasses of wine uh, last night, uh, because, it being Good Friday, uh, we managed to see... Get out! <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I uh, haven't been that uh, screamingly uh, vocal in a movie theater and frightened to death in a long time. 
And I can tell you, I was the only one screaming. <laughs> and a lot of people were laughing. I don't know why. Me, I guess. But it was just so, um, what's the word, upsetting in terms of uh, wrong-putting you. You know, you you were accepting the scene and going along with it. The actor was charming in the beginning. And then all of a sudden, what happened? Ah! <laughs> you know, it was like, I was like, ah, no! And at the end, oh, my God, with that absolutely shockingly violent ending, shocking violent ending to the film, really, I was yelling, kill him, kill him, punch him, kill him. I was so quite bear it anymore. I was just driven by the whole film. It was brilliantly done, I have to say, even though Alice said it got like nine Rotten Tomatoes or something. It was meticulously put together. I mean, you could see how they, you know, they were influenced by a lot of other films like Separate Wives. And there's an old silent movie by Alfred Hitchcock uh, about a serial killer and the landlady. Uh, and it's made in the early 1920s when he was apprenticing, really. And it's about the man upstairs who's very strange pacing back and forth. And the way the people downstairs, the landlady, her daughter, and the daughter's boys are looking up. And they're hearing and pacing and almost following him with their eyes because the chandelier, every time he walks, is very subtly swaying back and forth until finally the ceiling becomes like a glass ceiling that they can see him pacing back and forth with this kind of neurotic intentionality. And that was very much a scene when they were all downstairs listening and looking upstairs and listening to him walk back and forth and back and forth and they were totally silent at the party. But, I mean, I must say the actors were fantastic because they had such close-ups on their faces, you know, like portraits hanging in a, on a wall in a gallery or in a hallway. That's another steal, which is that one uh, about the, um, you know, the uh, Alicia Vikander's movie where she's um, um, uh, a robot-style morph, you know. She's the half-human, half-machine. And um, I forget, Machina, ex-Machina. And um, that definitely, you felt that when he was killed at the end by her, you felt that long gallery, like he was killing the father in that long gallery in the movie uh, uh, last night of, get out! <laughs> I can't say it softly, right? <laughs> it's such an order. It's such a warning. And... Um, they they just had such feelings that they were, they were showing on their faces that you 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 know and the tears coming down and almost seemingly saying things against their will you know like their nature was fighting what they were saying because they had been implanted into another human being it, uh, it was really fantastic but I tell you uh, <laughs> anybody who told me that it, I thought it was I was telling out it's hysterical it's about liberal white people you know. Blah, blah, blah. Totally not what I expected. And I did think, in a strange way, that... Um <laughs> and that's the four-minute mark, Nick. Yep. Here's four minutes, and then your voicemail just cuts <laughs> off. But thank you, Julia Paul. Thank you, Julia's mother. Thank you both. And I got to say, there is also, if you are now a fan of Julia's mother, as by God, you should be. You should definitely check out a piece that Julia wrote about her mother's advice for her that time she went to the Academy Awards. It is priceless. You can also head over to talkhouse.com slash tag slash motherhood for some great written pieces on the subject by artists like Tift Merritt, writing about the difficulties of being a touring musician and a mother. 
We have Susanna Nicurelli, a piece about motherhood written while she was about to go into labor. Wow. Dramatic. And Vashti Anderson. A, a fantastic talk house piece about the challenges of uh, breast pumping at a film festival. Serious business. And while I'm here, we should definitely give a shout out to Nathan Silver's video essay, which he did for Talk House, called The Essence of Agony, about his working relationship with his mother. It's terrific and also rather wonderfully has had a sort of spiritual sequel of sorts. A video series he did for Topic called Cussing My Mother, which came out in this past week. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us here on the Talk House podcast for this special Mother's Day 250th episode edition. Nick, you and I wanted to dedicate today's show to our mothers. Yeah, this is for my mother and for your mother. And listeners, we hope you have a fantastic Mother's Day with whoever the mother or maternal person in your life is. Yeah, have a special day. We wish you the best. Till next week, I'm Elia Einhorn. I'm Nick Dawson. Peace. And mothers. Peace.